And during the few moments that we have left, we want to have just an off-the-cuff chat between you and me, us. We want to talk right down to earth in a language that everybody here can easily understand. So sharp, I might cut myself. You hating on a boy? Hush thyself. I'm on my own jock, cause I love thyself. Put the slap again. About to bring the movement back, we going African. My bro put a Zanny and activist. About to nod off, bro. Wake up, man. What's happening? Baby Davis, where you been, bro? On 80, on 80, and a been, bro. In my mozzie. I bought that from life of the party. And I just want to party with somebody body. Get a little naughty and turn out the party. Like, hey, I'm in your beer space with the beer space. This album, not the can I get a Who I'm in the villain with? Who I came with is who I'm still chilling with. The sound that we started, they still in it. But that just let us know they still feeling it. Yeah, I'm still feeling it. I'm still feeling myself. I'm still feeling myself. Yeah, I'm still feeling it. I'm still feeling myself.
design has an interesting start. Back in the medieval ages, a barber was the only person with the sharp instruments needed for a shave and trim, which were also used for minor surgeries, dentistry, and tasks such as bloodletting. After the procedures, the barber would hang bloody bandages outside. These bandages would twist together in the wind, forming a familiar spiral pattern. As times evolved, these bandages were replaced with a pole painted with red and white stripes slightly more sanitary and much less gross. Eventually, a statute passed which required barbers and surgeons to distinguish their services. So barbers use blue and white poles while surgeons use red and white poles. These days, many barber poles are red, white, and blue, particularly in the United States, which some cite as a tribute to the American flag, while others say the red represents arterial blood, the blue represents the non-oxygenated blood in the veins, and the white represents the bandages. Clearly, the barbershop as you know it has come a long way, but the barber pole still stands, or rather spins, as an iconic symbol of the trade. My neighbors was all black, but now they white. So the check cashing place turned into a bank. Elevator works and the stairs, they don't stink. The white people came and changed everything. But I am still your neighbor. <laughs> Hi, boys and girls. It's your old pal, Mr. Robinson. So much has changed since we last spent some time together. My neighbor has gone through so much. It's gone through something called gentrification can you say gentrification boys and girls it's like a magic trick white people pay a lot of money and then poof all the black people are gone but where do they go boys and girls 
Back to where they come from, of course. Atlanta. <laughs> now it's just me by myself now. Y'all probably wondering how Mr. Robinson can afford to live in this fancy neighborhood. Well, that's the word of the day. Squatters' rights. It's like finders keepers, but for other people's houses. <laughs> Who could that be? Let's go see, boys and girls. are my new neighbors. They paid $1.2 million for an apartment where Mr. Robinson's friend Frankie used to cook crack. <laughs> Let's see what they want. Hey, Mr. Robinson, sorry to bother you. Um, we ordered a new 72-inch Samsung TV, and they said it was delivered, but it's not in the lobby. And we were wondering if you knew anything about that. Don't worry, boys and girls. Mr. Robinson knows just what to say in situations like this. Oh, you think I stole your TV because I'm black? <laughs> no. Oh, my God, no. no. Of course not. <laughs> it always works, boys and girls. Uh, we would never do that. What? No. Yeah, we're, we're asking everyone. It's not just you. Yeah, I'm sorry we gave you that impression. Yeah, and we'll get out of your hair. Yeah, we are so sorry. If you see the TV, let us know. Oh, and we'd love for you to come to our holiday party. No, no, I don't want to come to your damn holiday party. <laughs> Can you believe the nerve of them boys and girls? There's a special word for that. Racist. They weren't being good neighbors at all. Excuse me, boys and girls, it's more visitors. Damien, I ain't take your damn TV and you can't prove nothing. I'm not Damien, sir. My name is Patrick. I don't know no damn Patrick. I know that, but I did a DNA test and it says you're, well, you're my father. I just want to meet you. <laughs> oh, boys and girls, see, there's a new company called 23andMe. And because of them, 23 people now say their father is me. <laughs> Be right there. That's my cue, boys and girls. I gotta go tell the police there's a strange black man banging on my door. But until we meet again, tomorrow, tomorrow, I'll come back home tomorrow when my kid's not here. Goodbye, boys and girls. Hey, man. Mm. 24, you don't know shit. You don't know shit. You gotta Google shit that I lived through. See, this is why I lock motherfuckers' phones up. Seriously. Because the young kids, you guys, look, you need to take a break from that. We all need to break just from that technology, just for a minute. <laughs> you know, I'm from a different time, young man. A dark time to you. <laughs> I'm from a time that I didn't even used to know who was on the phone until I answered the shit. Like when tragedy used to strike. Remember, I remember I was 12 years old and the teacher wheeled a television set into the classroom. You remember these days? 
And she turned it on to one of three channels. And, and she said, class, the space shuttle is taking off and we're all gonna watch it take off. Man, that shit was going great for like three to five minutes. That's right, you, re you remember, it fucking exploded. Right on television, everybody on board, dead, immediately presumed dead. It was so bad, the teacher looked at all the kids and was like, you can go home. It's a goddamn national tragedy. This was Cold War America. The Russians were laughing at us. My point is, for a guy your age wouldn't even know the pain because in your generation, it's like the space shuttle blows up every fucking day. How can you care about anything when you know every goddamn thing? I'm getting over one cop shooting, and then another one happens, and then another one happens, and another one happens. I'm crying about Paris, and then Brussels happens. I can't keep track of all this shit, so you just give the fuck up. That's the hallmark of your generation, and that's fucked up because your generation lives in the most difficult time in human history. This is the age of spin, the age where nobody knows what the fuck they're even looking at. Did you know that Planned Parenthood was for abortions? It's for people that don't plan things out at all. <laughs> That's right. So a guy your age doesn't really know how he feels. Are you pro-choice? Are you anti-consequences? What does it all really mean? It's easier not to care for you. But for us, we were trained to care. We were raised that way. I used to watch a fucking cartoon when I was growing up called Care Bears. It was about a fucking group of teddy bear people. They were like teddy bears, but they were like people. And they were all different colors, and they all fucking just walked around caring. They cared about each other and everything else. They all had different designs on their stomachs and the designs told you something about what they might be like inside. Very, very loving group of beings. And when shit got real bad, as nice as those teddy bears were, they didn't get mean faces. They got determined. Hmm. And the leader would say, Come on, guys, it's time for the Care Bear Stare! Remember that shit? And them little teddy bears with locked arms and stare at the problem. And I'm not even bullshitting. Actual love would shoot out of their chest and would dispel anything that was fucked up. And when we grew up, we wanted to be like those babies. And then we got our hearts broken. So we found out that life wasn't gonna let us do that. And that it's impossible to shoot love out of your chest. <laughs> However, I have shot love onto somebody's chest before. <laughs> I do it all the time. It's the next best thing. news i'm dom smith when audiences go to a dave chappelle show they're going to be doing more than just laughing 
The same goes for the iconic Chappelle show. The show, along with his stand-up, provided many examples that prove the show was way ahead of its time. Politics, racism, celebrity scandals, gender and equality issues are all heavy on their own, but Chappelle has been able to tackle these topics with humor and thought. Chappelle has always used his comedy to comment on the way we behave, think, and act. Some of his jokes have even come true years after they were told. Here are five warnings from Dave Chappelle that came true. First, at number five, Chappelle predicted the popularity of CBD. CBD is the second most prevalent ingredient in cannabis. While CBD is an essential component of marijuana, it's deprived directly from the hemp plant, which is a cousin of the marijuana plant. In a Chappelle show sketch called Odweeds, this is the first brand of marijuana that doesn't contain THC. The name makes fun of Odules, a non-alcoholic beer. Fast forward to 2019 and CBD and hemp shops are found everywhere in America. This is due to the legalization of industrial hemp thanks to the US Farm Bill in 2018. These shops have become so popular in American culture, we wonder how Chappelle predicted this phenomenon. Coming in at number four, we've got police conspiracies involving people. Chappelle's 2000 HBO special, Killing Em Softly, is filled with jokes about race and black people's relationship with the police. One bit in particular, Chappelle would joke about not wanting to call the police because his house is too nice. The cops would come over, assume Chappelle is a robber, and they'd shoot and sprinkle crack on him. Don't you think it's a little suspicious that every dead black person the police find has crack sprinkled on them? Come on, man. Who gets shot and sprinkles crack on themselves? Chappelle's jokes would come to life countless times after the bit, like Detective James Arbini, who was a 14-year veteran of the New York City Police Department. He was convicted of planting crack on a woman and her boyfriend back in 2007. To make matters worse, during the trial, a detective testified that officers planted drugs on innocent people often. And most recently, Amber Geiger, a police officer in Dallas, Texas, would kill her black neighbor, Botham Jean, because she thought he was in the wrong apartment. At number three, we find out that Chappelle was right about the Me Too movement. Chappelle had many people up in arms when he released his fourth Netflix special, The Bird Revelation, back in December 2017. In the special, Chappelle would joke about Louis C.K. and the many sexual misconduct allegations that surfaced that year. Chappelle said that the men were wrong for what they did, but he didn't agree with the way women were going about the movement. You're making the bad guys scared, but as soon as they're not scared anymore, it's going to get worse than it was before. Fear does not create lasting peace. Chappelle also stated that it was going to be hard for women to move forward. Unfortunately, things did get harder for women, as Chappelle would say in Sticks and Stones. Since the release of the Bird Revelation, nine states had passed one of the strictest abortion laws that America had ever seen. These states have outlawed abortion if a heartbeat is detected, which can be detected as early as six weeks before some women even find out that they're pregnant. This is just another example of Chappelle warning us what might happen in the future. Next on our list, Chappelle was right about people looking at celebrities and us looking at celebrities for answers beyond entertainment. Dave would discuss this in For What It's Worth. Right after 9-11, they had Ja Rule on MTV. They said, let's hear what Ja's thoughts are on this. Who gives a fuck what Ja Rule thinks at a time like this? I don't want to dance, I'm scared to death. I want some answers that Ja Rule might not have right now. You think when bad shit happens, I'm in my crib like, oh my God, this is terrible. 
Could somebody please find Ja Rule so I can make sense of all this? Chappelle's simple joke would turn into a reality when Fox News invited Ja Rule on their show to give his thoughts on the 2016 presidential election and who he would be looking to vote for. Judging from fan reactions to Ja Rule's take on politics, Chappelle was right. And finally, at number one, Chappelle was always right when it came to the trial of Michael Jackson. Chappelle has always been skeptical of the accusers in the Michael Jackson trial. This is something that he would make known in his 2004 Showtime special, For What It's Worth. In the hour-long stand-up set, filmed in San Francisco, Chappelle questioned why a 10-year-old would want to meet Michael Jackson. This kid is 10 years old, he doesn't remember Thriller. What do you want to meet Michael Jackson for? I remember Thriller and I only kind of want to meet him, Chappelle joked. From the beginning, Chappelle always knew the details of the case didn't add up. A year after the special was released, Jackson was acquitted on all charges related to the abuse of the underage child. It would later be revealed that the 14-year-old boy who testified against Jackson was lying under oath. The family had had a history of filing false claims in order to get money. When one of the attorneys asked the boy to tell the jury why he lied under oath, he responded, I don't remember, it was five years ago, I don't remember nothing. Shortly after Jackson's acquittal, the mother of the young boy, Janet Arvizo, was charged with fraud and perjury. Attorneys came to the conclusion that the family lacked credibility and that the charges were false. During Jackson's 2005 trial, Wade Robeson defended Jackson and claimed that he was never touched inappropriately. Several years later in 2013, Jackson would be accused of child molestation yet again, this time by Robeson and James Safechuck. Investigators would find many inconsistencies in Robeson's story. When asked about some of the discrepancies, Robeson claimed that his memories had evolved. Chappelle would double down on his Michael Jackson take in 2019 Sticks and Stones. I do not believe it. Chappelle would reiterate while mentioning the fact that Macaulay Culkin claimed he was never abused by Jackson, something that Robeson himself once said. Chappelle's humor has always been insightful and smart, but no one could have predicted that some of the stand-up sketches and stand-up routines would actually come true. For Comedy Hype News, I'm Dom Smith. Uh, I see patients at University Clinic CHA Health. Uh, I am also the Assistant Professor of Neurology. I work in Department of Neurology. In modern world, we are always uh, having so much negative impulses coming from our television, newspapers, Facebook feeds, uh, and multiple other things. So with negative thinking, there is a flight or flight hormones that released into the body, for example, cortisol. That is good in a very short term, maybe for few hours, for days. But if you have negative thinking for, you know, days to uh, months to years, that has very bad effect on our body. Just uh, like uh, getting hypertension, diabetes, cancers, heart problems, brain problems. But when you change that negative thinking to positive thinking, then it creates more, it helps with our creativity, impulsivity, and we are more compassionate, um, uh, compassionate, empathetic with our colleagues, our patients, and it also it is also shown uh, a tremendous benefit, uh, health benefits. Um, 
like you know people live longer when they are uh, in a positive mood for example if you see the uh, five places in the world where they live all the time 100 years uh, what is the special specialty in those five places we call it blue zones it's sardinia italy loma linda california and a peninsula in japan in this places they focus more on uh, gratitude positivity uh, and simple living high thinking because of this uh, approach to life they have better better lives because of the positive thinking today i want to talk about four chemicals number one is endorphin endorphin is the chemical uh, that releases when you are very happy it blocks pain and second chemical is serotonin it is also called feel good hormone so serotonin makes uh, people more sociable and the third chemical well known is dopamine so when people are happy the dopamine is uh, uh, dopamine releases uh, into the body and it has great effect on the body and also human brain uh, and it is also known as rewarding hormone when people pat on your back saying hey you did a good job obviously that uh, this hormone gets released and the last but not the least hormone is oxytocin especially when a mother delivers a baby the hormone that releases uh, is oxytocin means a bonding hormone when you are happy the oxytocin gets released so definitely being in a positive mode automatically all these hormones in our body gets released and it has a big impact on us and it sure being positive uh, you live longer you have less diseases like hypertension depression cancers heart problems stroke problems so there is a huge science behind it these are some of the hormones that gets released when people are happy so i want to really focus on few things today especially things like depression anxiety anger lust greed you know all these negative emotions when you say negative emotions it has tremendous effect on our human body as i discussed before chemicals flight or fight hormones and also when you are in that mood of fight flight or flight hormones especially cortisol gets released because of these negative hormones the blood pressure goes up once the blood pressure goes up and eventually the glucose system in the body also gets affected you start breathing fast all this affects human brain and obviously when there is a, a, a poor uh, supply of oxygen and glucose and blood to the brain what happens you can't think properly so that's why uh, it is very very important that you know you, we have to control our emotions uh, very carefully welcome 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 to another episode of real life the radio show I'm your host Jenna Kepras alongside my partner brother Roz. Uh tonight's show will be an open discussion. Uh we will be <clears throat> focusing on whatever 
it's itching your brain this evening. Uh, for those who are listening online, if you have a question or comment about anything that we discussed tonight or any of the clips that you have heard, by all means, give us a call. That number is 719-284-5271. That number again is 719-284-5271. And the pin to get in is 70637. That again is 70637. Uh, greetings. How are you doing tonight, Brother Roz? Peace. Still learning, still learning. Um, great to be here this uh, December 24th. I am glad to have everybody who chose to join us with us. Um, we know that you could be doing other things, so we greatly appreciate your time and attention at this particular time. How's everything on your end? Oh, man, I'm getting prepared to uh, as much as I don't want to we are getting ready to uh watch these children open up presents uh that's one of the things i wanted to discuss tonight i remember the first time i uh when i finally decided i was no longer celebrating christmas i was on this tangent i had got this brand new information not about uh not about believing in Christmas or Santa Claus or what have you, but just the fact of all of my aunts, uncles, mother and father, step-parents and what have you, was all celebrating this and nobody had ever let me know throughout all of my younger years. My younger years is what I'm talking about, but nobody had ever <clears throat> excuse me, I'm, I've been treating my son and my daughter they come down with something, and I don't seem to get it. So excuse my voice and the coughing that's going to go on over this next hour and a half. <clears throat> Sorry about that in advance. Uh, but I was kind of upset because they didn't never uh, kind of just break this news and, and allow me and all of my other family members to keep on uh, celebrating, and even those who still believe to believe. And I had a I had a problem with that, especially with me coming into all of this new information coming into light. And I had to finally understand that it's not about believing in Christmas or or celebrating the holiday for that matter. Most people in my family, we have a we have a few people who own their own businesses and they could do whatever they would like to do whenever they felt like doing it, but not many. And I have a large family. What I was what I was told, and it made a lot of sense after I got up out of my anger and, and decided to actually listen to what they was telling me, was that it's not about the holiday. It was about the fact that a lot of us never had time to get together and, and just, you know, shoot the bobo talk about what happened during that uh during the previous year and for those who couldn't make it the last year you know years before that just being able to have that time off spend that time with each other whether it was a uh, a laugh or argument debates whatever the situation <coughs> excuse me whatever the situation uh called for was just to get to spend that time 
good, bad, or indifferent with each other. Get to know each other all over again and to hear some of the uh, private, intimate situations that had done happen since the last time we've seen each other. What I have found, it, especially in this community, uh, is that we tend to jump on people for things that we are currently learning. I can't even say that we know for sure, but things that we are currently learning, we tend to point out why other people are still celebrating, whether it may be a a Black Friday that people are using their hard-earned money to spend money, and we go on tangents about uh, spending money on this Black Friday holiday because that's what it is. It's a holiday on this Black Friday holiday. Um, But we never think about this may be the only time that they could get that special gift or even – or even satisfy a need that they may have because they don't normally have enough money to purchase this particular tool that they may need. And when I say a tool, that could be anything. That could be uh, pots and pans. That could be uh, a new desk for uh, whatever workshop that they have at their home, a computer for the uh for the child because the computer that they're using is the same computer that they've been, that the parents have been using for years and it's slow and it don't work as well as it should to keep up with the work that's being done by that particular child or children. Um, just a, a myriad of different things. And we tend to find from what, what I have come to find out is that the disgust and the hatefulness that we tend to get, from this new information, whether it be because we're just finding it out or that we're, uh, or that, or that we feel like we've been deceived for so long. We, we developed this type of, uh, hatred for, because of that information and also towards the people who didn't never, uh, let us know the truth about it. Now, I had mentioned my mom earlier, and my mom sat me down, and she scraped me right on out. <laughs> she was like, she was like, son, this ain't got nothing to do with no holiday or none of that. She was like, I'm, I'm not going to tell you her age. She would, she would kill me for that. But she was like, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm quite a bit older than you are, and I still have to work six, sometimes seven days a week. I hardly get any time with my grandchildren and this is the time that I get to spend and for lack of better uh for lack of a better term just mess off some time with my grandchildren whether it's watching them play with something that I done got them just to see the uh enthusiasm and the uh and the love that they have in their eyes because of this gift or this money whatever whatever the gift may be and she was like it's not on you to tell me how to spend my money and I had to take that into consideration because when I first started telling her about this new information that I had come across you know she sat there and she listened and you know she was she was kind of enthused about me uh taking an interest into this type of information but then it started pissing off you know, it started pissing off like seriously. And she let me know that. And I find that a lot of us take these same routes and we wind up 
creating enemies amongst the people who are always on our sides for something so trivial as new information. And what you think about that, Ross? That is a very interesting topic because I think it it's I think you're accurate with that. The funny part is I was lucky that I grew up around that information very young. So I got that out at a very, very young age as far as like in my house with my with my mom when my dad would take me to all these lectures and we'd be going out pretty much every weekend and now, things hold on. like that and be dealing with uh-huh. Just just to be clear, when you say you got that out, what are you talking about when you say you got that out at, at an early age? Meaning that whole thing, that wonder that comes with new information, and I wanted to go home and like share with my mom, like this is what I learned today, and this is what Doctor Ben talked about, or this is what Doctor Clark talked about, and like you know taking notes there and, and going home and, and just pretty much regurgitating as much as I could remember off to my mom and my mom just sitting there kind of blown away that this, you know, my son is going out with his father coming back home and all of a sudden he's just talking about all this stuff he's learning. And that's, I think a big part of it because really when you look at us collectively, we have been infantilized. That's one of the reasons they call us minorities. It's not just the fact that we're not a numerical majority in regards to the, the, the numbers here in that regard. So we childlike. The fact is the fact that we are infantilized. We're not considered adults, so we're considered minors. It's actually an ode to our past under enslavement. No black person was considered an autonomous adult unless they were free, and even they weren't really considered autonomous in certain certain settings. But they got they got the ability to be more more autonomous in most settings. But that's the reason they call you a minor is because we're not considered adults, mm-hmm. and it was always because our Slave masters had to vouch for us. If we were ever stopped in the street and asked for ID, um, that happens with the police all the time, it was to find out if we had a reason to be on that street going wherever we were going, and they needed to know where we were going when we were stopped. So we have a letter with the seal of our slave master on it, and um, sometimes that seal would match the branding that we got (laughs) as far as the ownership by that white person, and then they would be able to say, okay, well, Jimmy's on his way to go, you know, pick up some some ham hocks for, for master so-and-so, and they would let you go on about your business. Sometimes they'll still harass you. They might still smack you around or whatever, but eventually they will let you go because they knew that, you know, if they stopped you from doing what you had to do, and especially if your slave master had power, that white person would be in trouble. So they pretty much would leave you alone to go do what you had to do. So um, you, you, when you think about it, it's, a, it's an infantilization and it's also is very interesting. I put up a post dealing with uh, black male sexual terrorism they experienced <laughs> during the enslavement period. And the other thing that they would do besides infantilize us is also defeminize us. They used to call the black race the feminine race. So both males and females were considered female. That is the way that white people thought about us collectively. And that is an aspect of why black males were sexually terrorized in, in the ingeniously sick manners that European slave masters did it. So I just wanted to just talk about that aspect. It doesn't really relate to the subject, but I think it has to do with the actuality. It has to do with an infantilization. So that's where that minority thing comes from. And the, the, real, the real deal is this. Like I said, I got it out early in the sense of having that wanting to go home and just tell, tell, tell everything that I learned. 
And as I got older um, and I had a family of my own, I never had that thing to come home and be like, I learned something new. I was constantly reading. I was constantly having debates. I was doing lectures. I was doing all kinds of stuff. So for me, it was okay. This is not something where I have to go out there and, and you know, practice any show-offism about what I know. It was really more or less wanting to make sure that my family knew. So, like, when I, when I met my wife, uh, she was Christian. She wasn't any staunch Christian. She wasn't a person who was forced to go to church every Sunday and all of that type of stuff. They would go. But her parents were pretty um, loose with that. So, but she was Christian. And she wasn't really that much of a Christian. She knew the basic tenets of Christianity, the major stories of Christianity. But as far as being like a card-carrying, you know, proselytizing uh, disciple of uh, Jesus the Christ, that wasn't her. So when I came in, and I left Christianity behind long before I met her, so by the time I came into the picture as far as us having our child and we, us developing our family, I told her, I said, I'm not really a celebrator of Christmas, never have been. I just don't deal with that nonsense. And I said, um, I'm, not a, I'm not a Christian. I said, I respect what you practice, but I'm going to start showing you some things. And I think over time you'll start to get your own understanding of what this is. So as we started going into stuff and she would just tell me some of her perceptions and mis misperceptions about the, the tradition, I would actually get into the history of the religion with her and all of this type of stuff. And then I would also talk to her about African religion and how it relates to Christianity in regards to the um, the basic tenets of it, the different commandments, all of these things being taken out of African traditional systems in East Africa. So over time, um, it's not that she didn't want to be Christian. It was just that she started to really have a deep spiritual connection with the African tradition. It spoke to her in a way that nothing else ever did. And as we started to have very, very many spiritual experiences, myself, my wife, and my son, um, and some of those things being things that most people would find incredulous, but they actually happened, and we were, we were all there to bear witness to it, she started to really get a deep connection with the, um, the way that this system functioned and the things that she saw, she was just blown away and it resonated with her much deeply. So she ended up pretty much um, just slowly extricating herself from it. She never like professed, I'm not a Christian. Um, she just more or less went the spiritual route and incorporated a lot of traditional African spiritual practices in her spirituality. So that's um, that, but that's when it's presented in a constructive way. You also have, what I call the toxic variation of becoming quote unquote conscious. That's why I don't like using that term. I, I think it's been just bastardized and just trounced on in a way where it's not even sensible to use it, but because that's what people understand, I'll use it. Um, you also have, I call it the toxic application of becoming conscious in some way, quote unquote. And what that is, is when you learn something and you, you might be a person of action where as soon as you learn something, you immediately divest from it. You change your life. You start putting into practice what you learn, which is what people are supposed to do. But some people are more slow at it than others. And you might be one that's really just a person of action. The moment you find out something new and you confirm that that the information is authentic, you start changing your behavior to coincide with the reality that this brand new reality that's been made available to you. And as a result, you might be in a circle with your loved ones and you want everybody to be like you. That's human nature. You try, kind of mirror, you want to mirror, mirror images of yourself in the world. But then again, when those same people start 
start showing you the negative aspect of what being too much alike is, then you dislike certain aspects of the person, but it's really parts of yourself that you see in the other person that has the same effect on other people and is having that effect on you coming from somebody else. Mm. But rather than saying, okay, this is what it is, you get mad at the other party. So the idea is that everybody's not going to adjust at the same speed as you just because mm. you tell them something that's, that might happen to be true in some form or fashion. That's one of the reasons when we do the prayer at the end of every show, we talk about having patience with other black people because everybody becomes aware in their own time. And some people aren't meant to change in a lifetime. This lifetime, they might be meant to be what they are for whatever the reason may be, if it's Christian, Muslim, whatever the case may be. And that's just what they're supposed to do. And you attempting to derail that is just going to ostracize them. And somebody who you may have been able to reach down the road, maybe not deter them from that particular religious expression, because that's personal. What, however the deity makes itself presentable to you in a way in which it's palatable to you, that's a personal thing. But you may not make them no longer want to be what they are, but you, but you might give them insight to make them practice it in a, in a better way and kind of extricate and remove the stuff that is, does not coincide with the, the true religion for what it is once you get the history and all these types of things. Sometimes people might just divest from that religion down the road when certain things are doing on them. It all depends. But you have to allow them that personal journey and not be judgmental just because you got some information that the people around you don't have. It's almost like a consciousness Gestapoism. You, you become the gatekeeper of what it means to be black in your perception based on this new information you got. And instead of being respectful of other people's journey and the fact that everybody might not be where you are, you might be hyper aggressive about having them make the immediate changes that you've made for yourself based on that information that you have. And some people may not want to hear what you have to say. They might not even care about it. They might be so wrapped up in the religion thing that they don't want to hear nothing you have to say. And it all depends. I think to me, I think it's more about approach. And if it's offensive, you can't offend somebody and then say you're trying to bestow information on them. That's something that I had to learn when I was younger and much more aggressive. And I would get into these debates and I would just demolish people as far as the religion was concerned on the Internet and on allhiphop.com. I would have these debates and just demolish them. And my wife one day pulled my coat and she said, you know, you can't get people to understand what you're trying to convey if you're assaulting them. She's like, she's like, She's like, remember when, because we would talk about this, she's like, remember when your mom would, would beat you when you were a child? And I'm like, yeah. And she would talk her way through the beating. So for every word, you're getting two or three licks. And she's saying one word, but it's two or three licks with each syllable. Lick, lick, lick. And you jumping. You're jumping like a jumping bean screaming. I said, yeah. She said, that's kind of like a verbal and psychological version of what you're doing to people when you are denigrating what they practice, but yet you're trying to tell them the truth at the same time. They're not going to hear anything you have to say. And I thought about that. I said, you're absolutely right. I never thought about it that way. And this was, I had been in my, my mid going into late 20s, and I was just super aggressive. And I, I knew what I was talking about, but I was just assaulted because of the, some of the attitudes I would get. So I would give it back a lot worse. And then because they didn't know the things I know, I would just run rings around them and it would be terrible. So I just stopped doing that. And once I stopped doing that, the response on the Internet was different. Not from everybody, because some of these people were racist, white supremacists that I dealt with, but from a lot of the black people, it was different. And it was because of the approach that I took. So some of these people were Christian, but I was able to help them better understand the origins of their traditions and where certain practices came from and all of these types of things. 
and it just opened them up. It didn't mean that they were going to quit being Christian. It just meant that they were able to understand what I was saying, and they respected it because it was presented in a way that it was palatable and it was done respectful. And that just changed the way I approached everything. And this is long before I really got into uh, codification as a holistic way of life. I knew about it, but I was still dabbling with the music and all of that stuff. So I was still carrying a lot of that ego and a lot of that, that, that base Brooklyn street guy was still there as far as just transitioning from that and away from that. So I could really get into more of my meditations and going into that direction. I was really starting at, or had started it for a couple of years, but just really started to become serious. So, um, that's what I would say about it. It's really just about approach and there's nothing wrong with learning something new. Just be respectful of other people. Be respectful of their position on things and, and, and give them, give it to them in small amounts. Don't overwhelm people. That can be a big turnoff. Um, you can come across like a know-it-all. Just, just give them little bits. And then always remember that the person may not get it in that moment, but because if you're dealing with racism, white supremacy, and we're dealing with this system and it's all pervasive, at some point in their life, they're going to come in contact with a situation that coincides with the information you provided. And they may not have believed it when you said it years ago, mm. but that day it clicks and they go back to that moment when I remember so-and-so said no, this, that, and the third, and I didn't believe it when they told me such and such about the way some of these white people function. And now this just happened and it confirmed everything they said. And then they come back to you and say, you know what? I need to find out more what you're talking about because I just experienced something that you talked to me about years ago. When you talked to me about it, I thought you was crazy. And now that I didn't experience this, I realized just how much you understood what I didn't understand. And I want to learn more so I can better understand and make better decisions. Dr. Wilson, you would say that all the time. She would talk about how one time she talked about a, a friend of hers that she knew for like 30 something years. And he said he had written her off as crazy because she had made her thesis in college. She was the only person in American history to make her thesis racism, white supremacy. And they tried to stop her from doing it over at Howard. And, you know, there's all kinds of hoopla behind her making that her focus when she understood that that was what was having the greatest effect on black mental health. And, and, um, what she, damn, I lost my place, Jenna. Nah, that's side. <laughs> just hit side. me. Hit, where did I leave off? That just slipped me just like that. Um, you was talking about. Um, well, just just go back to when you was talking about. Well, nah, that's too far back. Uh, I'm trying to get a good place on where you was at. The kind of yeah, right before because I know there was something I was trying to to talk about in reference to the subject. Oh, um, it was uh. It was, um, oh, Dr. Wilson having a, a friend of 30 years who thought that she was crazy because she would tell them to repeat the things that she would say about the way white people would practice racism on black people and the fact that it was about genetic annihilation and, um, and how when no, there are no black people around, white people spend the vast majority of their time speaking negatively about black people. And this colleague of hers came back and it, it was like, she said it was about 25 or 30 years that she had known him. And he was like, you're right. And he said, it took me this long to understand how advanced your understanding and thought about the system really was. But now that I'm here, I'm just flabbergasted that for all this time, I kind of wrote you off as a nut. And in reality, like you knew more, better than the vast majority of people that were around you. 
you know, and I thought about it. I was like, that must be a lonely place to be when you walk around with, with information that nobody else has. And then people have been so indoctrinated in the system that, that you can, you can just make it plain from as many angles as you want. And it just doesn't penetrate because they've been so conditioned to see the wolf as the sheep in a proverbial sense. So anything you say to make that wolf look like what it is, when that person's wearing a veil of, of, uh, adoration and Stockholm syndrome for the, for the person that's dom or the group of people that's dominating them, then you're not going to penetrate that. And then finally something clicks and the person has an experience or they, they see something or somebody says something in a particular way where it finally penetrates and they're like, Oh, whoa. Okay. Now I understand what they're saying. And at that point they're going to, they're going to come back and that's going to happen. That's happened in people's families. Gus has talked about that on the cows many, many times. And sometimes it takes years. Sometimes it takes months. Sometimes it might be just a day or two. Something might happen. It all depends on the environment, their relationships with people, how often they come in contact with white people, and a whole bunch of different factors. But it, it happens. Invariably, it will happen. Um, so I just say that should be the attitude that we take. And just try to be as, as patient, as loving, as understanding as we can. I know it can be frustrating. But at the same time, there was a time when you didn't know anything. There was a time when I didn't know anything. I put in a whole lot of time to really to study and learn and, and, and be around people who wanted to make sure that myself and others really had this information and, and was able to pass it on um, in the way it's supposed to be. So that came with time and effort, a whole lot of effort. And it will take a whole lot of effort for everybody else to to develop, you know, a deeper understanding of the things that are important to them in regards to understanding the system, navigating the system in a safe manner where they can make it home every night, teaching their children how to do the same, learning their history, knowing who they are, being able to siphon through all the misinformation to find accurate information, because this is not the age of information. This is the age of misinformation. And there's a lot of people running around with a lot of misinformation and they have big platforms. And because those platforms are big and we have this whole fanatical attachment to, to the cult of personality, that person just might have, might be well liked by a lot of people. So whatever they say, whether it's true or not, people don't actually, the people always say, go research, go research. But there's so many, the average person really doesn't know how to research. All they know is to Google something. And if that's what you're calling research, then it's a self-fulfilling prophecy of confirmation bias, which is never going to be accurate, but you're going to be convinced with the results you get from Google that everything you're saying is correct. And if you really don't have an understanding of that and the fact that Google is catering to your personal, personal likes and dislikes, then there's no helping you. And that is why anybody who really talks about true education, it's about reading physical books. They actually put out an article. I posted it on Black Junction and I believe on BTL Community. I think about for sure Black Junction a couple of weeks ago where it talked about mm -hmm. the fact that people, um, they've scientifically tracked the fact that people become more intelligent and they also uh, reduce stress on their eyes by reading physical books that it's not actually healthy to read books or read in electronic form. And I know in Britain, actually i believe they don't they don't they don't even do that anymore like the, the country has come to that understanding so they don't they don't they no longer do the electronic books you just have to go to the library or go somewhere and buy a book and physically read the book but a lot of us are convinced that because it's technology and because the the colonizers presented it to us that it's all good everything they give you is not good and actually most of it is not you 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 really want to think 
and understand that there's nothing like reading a book. A book cannot be doctored. But when you go on the Internet, just like Wikipedia, anybody could go up in there and make changes to something, and it could be a bunch of garbage in there. But if you rely on Wikipedia, which there are a lot of people that do, you're just relying on trash information. And a lot of us don't understand that stuff, or some of us don't care. As long as it sounds like what we think is correct, then we'll just run with it and, and repeat it ad infinitum. And a lot of people get fooled that way. So you have to really, really put in your time and effort. And that it doesn't mean that the electronic medium is is um, is not good for, for finding information, but you have to know what you're looking for, and you have to vet the authenticity of what you're coming in contact with. And you have to be able to put aside what you're your hunches and your instincts are telling you the truth is and actually look at it for what it actually is as you're coming across authentic information. And that's hard to do for a lot of people. It really is. And especially now, because most, most people who deal with social media and all of that are mentally ill in some capacity. You're either addicted to app apps, you're addicted to the technology itself. Um, you might become heavily narcissistic, and I believe there's about five different types of narcissism that I read about that are associated with, with heavy use of social media. So there's all kinds of mental illness flowing around. Are we thinking of these people as normal people, and they're not. And how you can tell is just have a simple face-to-face -face conversation with them. There's a lot of people who use this stuff, and they don't know the first thing about looking you in the eye, sitting across from you, and having a conversation. They know how to text you all day. They know how to use shorthand you know texting shorthand all day they know how to emoticon you to death but when it comes to actually having a face-to-face -face human contact they are socially awkward and that is the vast majority of children in this world are being born that way because we're no longer functioning as social creatures we're functioning as social cyborgs we're cyborgs where we, we get all of our socialization through technology which is not real socialization not us. I come from an old generation. I'm the, from the first generation that got computers. So I knew about what it was like before computers, and I'm the one who got the very first ones and saw all of that develop to what it's become. I'm talking about the young generation who are born into this, who have no concept of what it is to go outside and play Skelly or Red Light, Green Light, 1, 2, 3, or Tag, or, or um, Stoop Ball, or, um, or Stick Ball, or um, Tag Football. They don't know about none of that. All they know is playing some video game, sitting there all day playing games on YouTube, watching videos all day, and then texting their friends and all day and night. Don't know how to have an actual conversation. Yes. So we're actually altering the human organism by our addictive connections to these devices that are m more addictive than actual drugs in a lot of cases because we are forced to use it in so many different aspects of our lives. You're forced to use this stuff at work. You're forced to use this stuff in so many different mediums. There's a lot of places going back to paper records because paper records can't be hacked and you can't be ransom, ransom, ransomware for millions of dollars because they took over your computer systems with the medical records. So they're going back to good old paper records. So technology is not always good. It actually takes away your intelligence, it makes you stupid. We think it's convenience, but it really makes you stupid. When I, and I'll give an example. We're getting to a point now where eventually nobody's gonna be allowed to drive vehicles because they're gonna have self-driving cars, which has already started, but it's gonna become a, a, a total system takeover where nobody's gonna be allowed to get behind the wheel. So think about it. For all of those people who turned 16 and went to get their license, 
for the first time and got to go through the process of driving and sitting with a, a driving instructor and all of that stuff. Your children and grandchildren, or not children, your grandchildren and great-grandchildren will never have that experience because that skill will be removed from them because it's all conveniently given to them in a self-driving vehicle. Then you're going to have a smart house where the fridge is connected to the toaster, it's connected to the doorbell, it's connected to your security cameras. And we already seen with the, the security doorbells that the police are giving people to catch the, what they call um, uh, porch pirates, the people who steal your gifts from for Christmas time. They run around stealing people from people's porches. They're, people are hacking those now and actually threatening people and calling them racist names through their own doorbells. So when they're coming in, somebody's just calling you the N-word and saying, I see you. I can see what you're doing. They're describing what you look like. Somebody's hacked into your computer, your camera, your security camera. It's happening all the time now. So I just wanted to say that. Hopefully I ain't going too much of a tirade, but I just wanted to say that. <laughs> I thought it was important to some degree. Maybe I'm incorrect about that. No, so I apologize you, if I'm incorrect. No, you, you are correct. You are correct. I want to I wanna jump into some of these other, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, to some of these uh, other issues. Again, uh, again, this is Real Life, the radio if you have any questions or comments, give us a call. That number is 719-284-5271. And the pin to get in is 70637. Uh, I was looking at something, and me and you have been on this since it started. Uh, Orlando Jones from uh, American Gods, they are canceling Mr. Nancy. I know you had, yeah. me and you done had a few different talks about that, what Mr. Nancy, as far as the, the uh, TV show, not the actual Mr. Nancy. Uh, the deity. The, the deity, but, the, act, but yeah. the, the character on the show, what he has yeah. meant for those who have seen him, because for a lot of people, that was the introduction, uh, me being one of them. Yes, that was the introduction to Mr. Nancy. So when I uh, started to get into him via the actual stories that has been passed down for centuries, there was a similarity there, but it was more personal coming from the American guys. And mm -hmm. if, matter of fact, I wanna, uh, I wanna pull up his his response to being fired because if anybody who done seen the show, you know that that is not a character that should be gone. I thought it was one of the most ingenious characters that actually was based on something that was real. Um, Nancy is considered like one of the most widely known African deities in history due to the, of, to the transatlantic slave trade. And I know in America, there might be some pockets that do know of a Nancy, but I don't know many black Americans. I, I don't remember ever meeting one who knew of a Nancy stories. But in the islands, we grow up hearing a lot of that stuff and Br'er Rabbit and, and all those types of stories. We've grown up around all of those. We have all this different folklore that's come across the Atlantic with us from Africa. So, you know, I always say in America proper, the, the contiguous United States, as they like to call it, 
the further south you go in America, the more African the the, the culture and September tenth the languages are. So go ahead, let me shut up and let no, you no, play no. that. No, no, no. Go ahead and finish your uh, thought. I just I just pulled it up and it started playing. But go oh ahead. no, no problem. So yeah, that's what I found. And there's even other uh, Caribbean relatives and family friends who move down south. They find that southern black Americans they feel more at home with them because it reminds them of being home not just the weather the warm weather and the palm trees in certain areas and things like that but just also the way people express themselves and these places might not necessarily be like a little Haiti in in, in um in Florida or you know yeah, little Havana or anything these are just black American places that when they meet the people and live amongst them it feels close to home as far as just the way they are how friendly they are the things that they might cook and the way that they cook them, the language as well, because some of that stuff. And like I said, the vast majority of black enslaved Africans that came here did not come directly from the continent to America. They were island hop from the Caribbean. So the vast majority of, of black Americans who were descendants of enslaved Africans are intimately tied to the Caribbean. And if you go back far enough in your history, you might leave America and find it that your your ancestor might have been island hopped or multiple ancestors were island hopped back and forth to the Caribbean because it's, it's documented in the history. So well, I just wanted to say that. So you can um, go ahead now. Well, I'm, I'm going to play that in a second, but I was uh, I was asking some of my relatives and what have you. I was like, yo, have you check, checked out this American guy? They're like, no. Like, I got, uh, you know, they, they they began to want to flakes on me. I got other stuff I'd be doing and watching those shows. I was like, all right, yeah, that's cool, that's cool. I was like, but, you know, got this character, Mr. Nancy. You ever heard of him? Because he's very interesting. He was like, yeah, I, I know about him. Like, I was like, well, why y'all ain't never, you know, because that's always my response when I ask them about stuff and they tend to know. And I'm like, well, why y'all ain't never share this with us? He's like, I ain't think nobody was even interested in that children's story no more. And that's that's wow. that's normally the the response I get, especially from my older uh, relatives. Yeah, we know about that. They we used to hear about that all the time, but you know, ain't nobody interested in them children's stories. I'm like, well, you know, it's I think a, it's the technology. That's my opinion. They're thinking, yeah, they're into their thing. They don't care about none of that stuff. And it's the culture that you lose. Well, I think that's, that's what you it lose is. A yourself. But I go think ahead, it's brother. more the culture than the uh, technology because, you know, me and you go back and forth on this about the technology all the time. Mm-hmm. Technology is, I don't believe there's nothing wrong with the technology. I mean, well, let me, let me not say that because we got, uh, you got radioactive, uh, you you got a, a many of things that could be very dangerous with technology, but there's also a lot of things that you could uh, fix and use as equalizers too. It's just all on how we apply these technologies. But but what happens is is that they get tired of hearing about it, and instead of continuously sharing that stuff, they allow the technology i.e. the movies and what have you, because they never got tired of talking about Thor and Spider-Man and Superman right. and stuff. You know what I'm saying? They never got tired of that. They still go and, uh, you know, one of my one of my loves is uh, is Star Wars. Like, I, I love Star Wars still today. Uh, yeah. Still check that out. Uh, big, big fantasy guy. You know what I'm saying? Uh, me and my children watch it. You know what I'm saying? So I'm like, well, you know, you was just at the Star Wars uh, premiere. You know what I'm saying? You went and checked that out as soon as it hit the store, but you couldn't have told us about this. Like that—that's not a—that's not a suitable answer. But you know, I can't—I can't really 
enforce that because for one, I'm not their child. You know, they're just my uncles or aunts or what have you. But for two, you know, I was off doing my dirt as well. So it's not nobody's fault per se. It's just a question. And I find it real curious that they get upset when these questions are presented, you know, but. You know what it is? When you think about it, it's really something that that black people have done for many generations since our enslavement. And it's really finding value in things given to you by your count, count, excuse me, given to you by a colonizer, finding more value in those things than you find in the things that are inherent to you and your people. I mean, it's interesting. Like we had our own basketball teams. We decided to get rid of that to play on the white people's basketball teams. And our teams were getting way more attention, was making way more money. The players were able to, to really do their thing and they were attracting white and black audiences. And they gave all of that up in order to play strictly for white people in the NBA. And now we have this, what, what they call it, the, 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 the slave system that they practice on these people. Same thing with the baseball. Like, we just give it up. And it's the same thing with the stories, like you were saying. We found more value in Spider-Man and Marvel Comics and DC Comics and all the white comics and all the white presentation stuff in regards to storytelling. And we canceled our own stuff. And then what happens is the children are even more disconnected from who they are because those are the things that really will connect them back to the continent. And that's a lot of information that black Americans don't have about the, the <laughs> ways that they are that directly link to West Africa from the yeah, dozens. Those... The dozens was a carryover from West Africa. A lot of people don't know that. And it was actually a mandate by a Mali king because it was used to decompress after warfare. And they did it for fun. It wasn't malicious like it is today but it's something that that because it was a mandate of a malian king it has carried over and 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 actually you can even say it extended into hip-hop because they used to do it in song and in rhyme well let's 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 hold off on that uh Mm -hmm. we're gonna get into that as well but that's something that i i may I, i disagree with you a little bit because a lot of these stories uh whether we're talking about thor spider man uh, all of these, all of these are stories based off of Black African stories as well. So, right, it ain't. It's but how many people know that? Those that's who the question. To go and the average the Black person don't know right. that. They think Thor is Thor. They can't see Shango in Thor. But when you study Shango, you'll find where Thor came from. When you study the, the just go back to reading Herodotus and Diodorus Sicilus and. Um, Aristosthenes and all of these different Greek people who said that all of their deities, their entire deity system, came out of Ethiopia. Well, let me Zeus let me Amun. on that on that pause. Let's get this in real quick because sure. I want to get into the rap thing as well. Uh, open discussion. If you have a question, a comment, or just something that you felt that all of us need to hear or maybe discuss, you know, give it to us. But right now, let's get into this, uh, Orlando Jones. September 10th, 2018, I was fired from American Gods. There will be no more Mr. Nancy. Don't let these motherfuckers tell you they love Mr. Nancy. They don't. I'm not going to name names, but the new season three showrunner is Connecticut-born and Yale-educated, so he's very smart. And he thinks that Mr. Nancy's angry, get shit done, is the wrong message for black America. That's right. This white man sits in that decision-making chair, and I'm sure he has many black BFFs who are his advisors and made it clear to him that if they did not get rid of that angry God, Mr. Nancy, he'd start a Denmark VC uprising in this country. I mean, what else could it be? To the wonderful 
Neil Gaiman, thank you for allowing me to play this role. For right okay, that right there, he was just giving, the rest of that, he was just giving his thanks for the people who uh, allowed him to come in, uh, play the role of Mr. Nancy, and also give his thoughts as far as writing different parts of the script because he was a writer on season two as well. So, uh, you know, uh, <clears throat> I, I seen him kind of backtrack and, and eat some of his words. <clears throat> I think after he got over his initial, after he got over his initial anger, he began to think about his career because people started calling him to get interviews about this, and he had to kind of uh, straighten some of that out as far as, uh, you know, the whole all white people are not bad type of uh, explanation. <clears throat> and I'm, I'm, not, I'm not judging him or what have you. I'm just, just comparing the two, different, uh, the two different social media posts. Well, that social media post versus the... Uh, versus the uh, the interviews that came as a result of that of that social media post. I I tend to agree with the one that we just heard, you know, because it was a lot of people, especially after uh after the the whole Wakanda vibe, which has not which has not let up whatsoever. You have Mr. Nancy coming in and he's talking uh directly to the enslavement of black people using historical facts as the basis for this character and how different things happen in, in what he believed in his eyes. When I say his eyes, I mean the character, the character of Mr. Nancy would be the best decisions, especially in that first introduction when they was on the slave ship and he was like, yo, turn this whole boat over. You know, people tend mm -hmm. to take these type of, uh, this type of symbolism and bring it to them to their everyday lives, whether it may be, uh, I'm not taking this from my, uh, from my racist boss today. You know, he telling me this foolishness. I just finished watching American guys last night. Yo, I ain't putting up with this. And you know, we, we tend, <laughs> we tend to feel that way. You know, that, that little, uh, it's almost, it's almost like liquid courage, you know, uh, and Dave from Tando used to say this all the time, you know, that silver screen, it could it could do wonders, whether it's making you, uh, whether it's changing your ideals, giving you a different perception on something. Again, this was my first introduction to Mr. Nancy, and as soon as I seen that, I went to go research him, and it wasn't quite what I was watching on American Gods, but I wanted to watch American guys even more because I had the background of this trickery that he had. And, you know, who's to say that on the silver screen that that wasn't the trickery that was meant to happen was to give, considering he was a, a, a writer on season two, he wasn't getting into the same, the same type of ideas and stuff that he was in season one, but it was a little more, it was a little more tamed with a lot more focus on today's situation. Uh, like it was a scene that he had where he was talking about all of the, uh, the young black women that was popping up yep. missing and nobody cared. You know, that's, that was, that was specific to today. 
that that wasn't just a movie. Uh, I mean, a movie that wasn't just a TV line. That was something speaking directly to the to the things that are happening right here in America, as well as all over the globe, but in America specifically. And you know, it caused questions when that when that episode aired about a couple of weeks later. It was it was all over Twitter, not the episode itself, but just people pulling up those reports of why ain't nobody talking about all of these missing young black women. It it was a it, it created a cause and effect type of a deal, and I mean, just. For for white Jewish men, I I actually would understand why they wouldn't want that anymore. But then that also goes to uh, to us not owning anything. I mean, outside of we we done talked about uh, what is his name? I don't want to call him Madea uh, Tyler Perry. Outside oh, yeah. of Tyler Perry's uh, company, you know what what other company do we uh, do we own? And and we don't own that. He owns that. So, you know, I mean, we could take like a side, you know, we could hang on to his coattails and say that we own it. But he owns that and he don't answer to none of us. So it's it's a lot to think about. But um, if you have any more thoughts on that, you know, I just wanted to give that out so people would at least let it run across their brain. I want to get into this uh, into this hip-hop as well and this whole beef between Nick Cannon and Eminem you know I, I wanted to talk about a few other things but I want to I think that's important for what's going on as well that makes sense to me I've been trying to get this this screen back up so I've been kind of slightly preoccupied with it um uh hold on we well well why are you doing that we got a uh we got a caller it looked like my man Jimbo, what's happening? Oh, up, man, just got off of work and then enjoying the show. I like to make a comment. Is it be all right with y'all, bro? Go ahead, sure, man. absolutely. Okay, you know I'm gonna go agree with both of y'all when he's talking about technology and books. I believe we should have both. Uh, you know, because you know, you know that uh, technology, what they call digital rot, sometimes that you can lose your information, whatever, or through decades of time that, uh, you know, your your data would, you know, tend to go away, you can't get it back. But, uh, you know, your books, it's almost like uh, what you want to call engraved in stone if you put it in the right area and keep it. It's unlike a hard drive or a SD, uh, with a SSD card or something like that where, you know, you can always end up losing it. If you put your books up or even paper information, it'll last for a long time long to it's the real deal, if you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. But as far as it goes, as far as it goes for technology, um, I believe we should to integrate with our books into with the technology and to make it with our own. Uh, I was, I've been, t- I've been talking uh, about starting little small companies for a while using all these new ideas when we're talking about cameras and everything to be even protect our own neighborhood. Uh, I, mean, I remember, I mean, 
I know a couple shows back, I ain't going to say a couple shows, there have been many shows back that y'all had a show, was talking about doing codes and everything. Well, I believe all people should learn to do code and everything and ever, and also learn how to use this technology to protect our own neighborhoods and prevent us from getting hacked. The more we know about this stuff, the more we can protect ourselves against it. The same thing with biology and everything else. We learn everything we can with this technology. We can even improve it and use it. When you talk about the show Black Panther and the environment of Wakanda and everything, when they say, well, all this doesn't exist. Well, the truth is some of that stuff could exist if we put forth emphasis. And, uh, you know, again, we're like, you know, we we got to build our own world within the world to make things happen and to to look at what they're doing and say, oh, they're doing this to us and that. How can we prevent from these things happening? We got to, we got to step forward and put enough initiatives to learn more to even protect ourselves, set goals for ourselves and everything we're talking about in this technology and biology. Because, you know, who said in the future they might create their own avatars? You I know, agree. take back tree. Oh, well, sir? No, I say I oh, agree with you, uh, John Bone. It's a, uh, I, the, the thing about it is, is that as bad as technology is, it's only going to be bad to people who don't understand it. Uh, like you exactly. said, you have to know about this stuff in order to, uh, to counter the consequences. I, I mean, paper you know paper books that's technology as well we don't look at it like that because for most of us it's been here since we was born but that's that was technology and people didn't want to go to that as well we uh one of the more recent things would be the uh would be like the banking cards you know Mm -hmm. I, i grew up my grandfather never wanted to deal with banks because he grew up under the circumstances of the great depression and didn't trust banks whatsoever, which we have learned now not to trust them, but we are surrounded in our culture with it. There's no way you could go and do anything without it now. So you have to put yourself up to the tasks, to understanding and knowing all of the different rules and regulations so that you could take advantage of the system that they have put in place. So I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you and I'm with Roz. But what I do know for sure is that as this world continues to grow older, as well as if we're lucky, we'll grow older with it. These things are going to change. And if we don't adapt to it, then we will be subject subjugated to by these particular uh, entities, whether we talking about uh, radio waves or what have you, because if we don't have nobody that's uh, excuse me participating in making these things happening and uh and having some of the having the ability to make the choices on how they're being used and we're always going to be at the bottom of the rung as far as getting the worst of it so i i agree i agree with you wholeheartedly and i also understand as far as rise because me and him both uh, we had discussed this we discussed everything that we talk about prior to getting onto the show uh, but we had done discussed when uh, but I think the reason we even had that show 
on uh, on the technology is because I was up at my daughter's school going off on the principal about all of the dangers of them implementing uh, laptops because they're getting rid of the books and they're having to do everything via laptops. And I was asking them about the uh, the blue waves that come off of the laptops. What about the uh, what about the uh, the waves that the uh, the microwaves that the laptops generate like y'all giving us these things but y'all ain't giving out no uh diodes to kind of minimize that radiation that they you know and these people they claim you know I'm doing my air quotations they claim that they had never heard of it but yet they're giving out all of this equipment that's emitting these dangerous uh waves but they ain't never heard of nothing to mitigate those waves. So, you know, it's always some foolishness. And if we don't know about it, like you said, we will be taken advantage of. But as long as we have people in those particular areas that are willing to let us know about these things, then we can kind of circumvent the problems that come along with it. You know what it is? Oh, go ahead, um, Brother Jim, and then I'll speak after you. Uh, I was going to say that's when it comes down to like a lot of us becoming developers. That's what America got away from when they talking about like all the factories and everything. One thing about us black folks, we always been innovative and engineers and everything. And that's what I believe we truly need to get back to. And by Mm -hmm. getting back to that, you know, we can create our own manufacturing assembly lines and everything else. And once the world get a, uh, uh, ear full of that, and you know, here comes you know where we can be able to trade with our brothers and sisters mm-hmm. around the globe, and you know we can create our own market uh, trading different goods and so forth. You know, we don't have to just stay within their you know frame of uh, whatever they're doing. I mean, w- what we can do is vast when we talk about engineering trade and. Oh, but as far as it goes, when you was talking about like for education wise and entertaining, uh, entertaining and what they uh, visualizing like for comics books, you know, I don't know, uh, you're, I don't know if you've seen some of my posts, uh, brother Hayes, about like creating your own studios within your home. Like a lot of people don't know that we have the technology now. Person don't have to have a big old theater or anything like that to create your own studio at home, just like a music studio. You got your studio. You can do everything from film to movies to whatever. Yeah, to radio. (laughs) Yeah, even radio. Yeah, my studio, I'm on it. I say my studio, I'm on it while we're doing the show now. There you go. And, you know, so far as it goes, like creating certain things for our people and kind, the platform is there. All it is for us people to get together and put things together. The network that we have now for Black Tech Talk Radio could even be bigger than what it is. But people got put forth emphasis. You know, just not just volunteer to, to uh, what you call invest, but also put emphasis for uh, we can, like, put shows, live shows and everything. We can build our own TV network even better than BT ever could because the technology is here. And, you know, so as far as that goes, you know, what we're talking about, like, creating things and having the right content for our people is that. That's all I have to say about that. No, I, I agree with you, Jim Bone. It's a, uh, 
the biggest thing that goes into that though is is the uh my fault it was something just flashed up about the dr claude anderson video on uh on breakfast club kind of threw me off but the biggest thing with that uh, and this kind of goes into what dr claude anderson was talking about is the group economics you have a lot of us who uh who take on the suffering of producing these uh producing these shows whether it may be a comic book that they spent all of their money and time on or this radio show that we own that me and brother Rod spend our money and time on uh like you doing right now putting your uh putting your project together all your time and money and then afterwards people want it for free while we suffering to make sure that we could still put this out. So, you know, it's it's gonna take a whole not only is it gonna take the the, the engineering side and, and using this technology, but it's gonna have a change of mindset for the people who consume this information and uh and use these products that are being produced by those very few. Because it's 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 lonely when you uh I mean just in a theoretical sense, it's lonely when you are putting this stuff together. And it's especially frustrating when people appreciate it, but only in words only. <clears throat> Before we go on to that next uh, to that next subject, I want to get to. Uh, I know Brother Rise has something to say because we just gonna we gonna cut this off uh, at the at the two hour mark because I have children upstairs that are ready <laughs> to. Uh, to get into it. So uh, go ahead, Brother Ross. Yeah, I just wanted to say, um, first, let me see. I, I, took, I wrote a little note. Yeah, the, the, the big issue is this. We, because of the fact that we no longer live a communal centric existence, which when you study black history, African history, the history of our ancestors in the West, whether it's America or anywhere else, we lived a very communal centric life. That's how black wall streets and all of these things developed. We, we centered all of our activity around each other and the value of each individual in our societies. We were forced to do that by segregation. White people created the segregation model. So we were forced to spend our money amongst ourselves and we actually came together in a communal centric way. And the success behind that we talk about now to this day, we've been so indoctrinated with, Okay, right. okay, mom. The value of the individualist experience that we no longer function like our ancestors used to function. So every it's every man for himself. <clears throat> and there was a brother I was talking to on uh, Black Junction, and we were talking about uh, spies and agents and traders amongst our people. And they had a picture of a world-renowned oh. photographer. He took pictures of some of the um, most important black figures during the the Harlem Renaissance and all during the 60s and whatnot, and he was an FBI agent. And I said to the brother, I said, that's the difference between the way our colonizer thinks and we think. I said, we will never have a group of people put our people amongst white folks, learn their stuff, and come back and teach it to the, to the rest of our people. That's something Geronimo Pratt did with the Panthers. He went into the military, came out, and then he taught everybody in the Panthers his military skills, which is why they survived 
some of the shootouts they had with the police when they try to raid and kill Yo, them real quick. on a few occasions on the West Coast. Go real ahead. Real quick, is that the real-life example of uh, Spook that sat by the door? Spook who sat by the door, yes. You are correct. And uh, my son actually interviewed Sam Greenlee when he was 13 years old. And it was an incredible interview, too. We lost it, and I'm so mad, but... It, it's something that's burned in our memories as a family before he died. He had gotten to interview him when he was 13. And the crazy part about that is, like like Jambone was saying, we have to have people who are willing to go into these arenas. Because you got to remember, all this tech is our stuff. The Internet was created by a Nigerian, Philip Emigwali. The cell phone was created by a black man. Like All of these things were created by us. It was just commandeered by them and then presented to the entire country in their medium, under their patents, and under their systems. So this stuff is ours. It's just that we are so caught up in our bags, being mad at each other for stuff and disliking each other and having arguments on social media and just doing the stuff that black people have been trained to do, which is be disagreeable as possible with anybody who looks like them. Hey, let's, you know what, let's, uh, let's stop it right there because that goes right into this whole rap thing. Okay want to be mad at anybody that looks like us. Uh, this whole Eminem, Nick Cannon thing. Mm-hmm. It's, it's very interesting for the fact that most people, now me and you agree that I, I don't care for Eminem whatsoever. He, and like me and you both said, he's a, uh, he's a, pre- he's a pretty good wordsmith. I, I, I give him that. I don't necessarily like him as a rapper. I don't relate to anything that he uh talks about. It it just it's just not my vibe. And nor is it most black people that I know. Uh, mm-hmm. but here's the thing. He's been out of the spotlight uh for some time. He he resurfaced during uh Trump doing the Trump thing, which I have come to realize that was just a pandering to uh, black people just come in, uh, pander to us for a little bit, get his name ring, and then disappear again. But he jumped off and started talking about, uh, started talking about, uh, what's his name, Nick Cannon and and his ex wife. Yeah. And when and when Nick responded, which he's not a he's not a good rapper, never has been, nor will he probably ever will be. But he responded. <laughs> he responded nonetheless, which any man with any uh, <clears throat> type of manhood would, whether you have expectations on winning or not, you you gonna respond, right? right? So he responded, and then the internet uh, began to attack him. And what was very interesting to me is that initially, no white people had anything to say about Nick Cannon. It was all black people. At first, they did. At first, they was only talking about. At first, they was only talking about him not being able to rap, but then it went to he was clout chasing, and then they wanted to start talking about his personal issues when all of this stuff was brought up by by Eminem, right? So, mm-hmm. not only did the internet jump on him. But a whole bunch of black people who Eminem hasn't done anything for in the last 10 years, this was their moment to shine to go and jump on Nick Cannon as well. When Nick didn't ask for none of this, uh, I, I, I find it hard to believe that Nick is clout chasing when this man has not been out of the public eye 
for the past 20 years. This man has always had, not only has he had a job, but he's been creating jobs for 20 plus years. Mm-hmm. And the only thing that I can get out of it is, is that people who don't have anything to do, now they find a chance to make themselves relevant again by way of shooting at him under the guise of helping this this white dude. <clears throat> to me, it just kind of just goes back to a problem that we've always had, whether you're talking about on the continent or in the diaspora. You've always had people who side with the colonizer against their own people. And when you find people with that sort of Stockholm syndrome expressed, be, being expressed from them, they tend to be the people who will go the furthest to protect their colonial master. Even sometimes to the point of physically assaulting another black person or even trying to kill another black person. These are the types of things that some of us are just, you know, we're just gone. Like we really have no concept of black self-respect. Um, if a white person does one thing that's good for us, we're loyal to them for life. Let a black person do one thing wrong to us and we wish them dead. That's the way that we're conditioned to think. White attention is attention from Jesus to Christ, psychologically, for a lot of black people. And it's, a, it's, a, it's the reason why any time uh, any group of people take over the, the country or the land of another group of people, the first thing they do is stamp out the deities of those people and replace them with deities that look like them. Because it's an easier way of controlling the minds of their subjects and getting them to not revolt. If God looks like your enemy, then you're not going to fight God. That's what was done on the continent. They started to believe that the white man's quote-unquote magic was more powerful than their ancestral systems. So they were like, you know what, maybe this Jesus the Christ is the deity to worship because, I mean, these people came in and just, you know, they trounced us. They got the guns. They got the weapons. Um, they put us in a position where we had a, we had an offer we couldn't refuse. They, they told us either we kidnap our neighbors as slaves for them or they're going to kidnap our entire tribe. So we, we were forced to take that deal. And, you know, like this is the type of stuff that where you psychologically train people to see you as the deity. King Leopold, in his letter to his missionaries, lays it all out. And the one thing I want people to remember about King Leopold's letter is that he had a curriculum around, an entire curriculum with multiple texts around the, 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 the dominating of black people through psychological enslavement. When you read the letter, he actually talks about that. They had an entire curriculum around dominating our ancestors. That's how sophisticated the model of of control is, and that's why they, in, in the Willie Lynch letter, even though it's not authentic, that is why um, Willie Lynch had actually said, if you do this right, you don't need to keep the chains on them. It's going to be perpetuated for generations, and we're living that right now. And the things that Jam is talking about in regards to us coming together and being <clears throat> able to have people specifically learn this type of tech and stuff, and we learn how to reproduce it for ourselves in a medium that's safe for our people and that is not toxic is essential but we can't even get each other to agree on basic things so we have a long way to go and very little time matter of fact we're way behind the clock when trying to really do something constructive for ourselves especially with all the things that they have going on right now 
We're on the precipice of all kind of wars with people. Mm-hmm. We're on the precipice of economic disaster. There's a lot going on. And we don't have time to be playing these games, but a lot of our people have taken the same toxic use of technology and they do the same thing at the expense of their own people. So that's 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 a major issue for us collectively. And it's not just in America, but America, I think, is like the major battlefield for that because America sets the precedent for the way a lot of other people understand the system of white supremacy based on the fact that black Americans are the most prominent oppressed group on the planet. And they're the ones who set the tone for a lot of what other countries enact. A lot of other countries that are racist look to America for what to do. Just like Germany, its entire Nazi model came from looking at segregation and racism in the United States. So that's the issue right there. I just I'll leave it there. All right. Well, let's get uh we got we got Hayes wanna uh wanna jump in. Come on in, Absolutely. Hayes. Your mic is open before we get on out of here tonight. Good evening, y'all. How y'all? doing today greetings we hope you're feeling Peace. a little better man hey before you get yeah. started yo uh, uh, uh yeah. a nice little con- concoction i use and this is for everybody that's within earshot and that'll check this out later on um uh, this is what i mix whenever i'm feeling bad i know you have particular issues but this will still help you as well Hayes. uh my son was okay uh, he was showing flu-like symptoms and if you didn't listen to us any any time, you know that I do not like doctors whatsoever, and I have get given uh, <clears throat> I have given resources, case studies. <coughs> Excuse me, and uh, and a lot more examples of why I don't. And as soon as I get done with this, I'm gonna go make me one. But what it is is I use about two teaspoons of turmeric, about two and a half teaspoons of uh, ginger. Right now, I don't have any fresh lemons, so I'm just using lemon juice. Uh, It'll be a lot better if you use just straight lemon juice, straight out of a lemon or a lime. Either one will uh, will suffice. And if you can, get some honey. And for those of you who have gotten the generators or have uh, colloidal silver on hand, I use about four ounces of uh colloidal silver and i take that like i would take uh some medication every couple of hours every three every six until you start feeling better that will clear you up it'll, it'll uh after that turmeric get into your system it'll start taking some of those aches and pains away i'm not telling you that it'll stop it immediately but it will begin to uh, slow down that inflammation, which is causing a lot of that discomfort, and it will uh, clean out your system. So if you have those ingredients, Hayes, you you might want to try that and uh, take that over the course of the next couple of days and, you know, just let us know how that work out for you. But go ahead. All right. Thanks. Uh, oh, my girl just came in here. I was, I was uh, attending to her. Telling her don't say nothing because I was on live. But yeah, um, let me go in on M. And this is somebody here in Michigan. Now, someone for being famous for getting on wax and dissing your own mammy and saying, hey, it's me, Versace. Whoops, somebody shot me. And all I was doing was checking the mail. Get it? Checking the mail. This is not somebody that is considered being the best lyrical person on the planet in my book 
I got five offhand right now. One of them's dead, Guru, that I know could have knocked him out of the box. Hey, real quick. I'm sorry, real quick. Go yeah. ahead on the name those other four real quick. Just, just out of curiosity. Uh, two, of, two, two of them are dead. Guru, I put Prodigy up there. Uh, uh let's see. Um, I put Ice Cube on there before he got married. Because after he married his wife, Kim, she made him stop saying a bitch is a bit. Oops, I'm sorry. Well, you already know what that one. He don't say that no more after he got married. And I can respect that. But after he got married, his game kind of fell. But then he jumped back in and got his pockets fat, got into Hollywood. I can respect that. So I put Ice Cube up there. Um. Oh, I, I, oh wow. Guru, Prodigy, Ice Cube. Guru, guru, pro, guru Prodigy. Ice Cube, I, 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 I'm just gonna call those three right there. Okay. But the funny thing about this whole thing, about this whole mashup that's online, is neither one of these guys is getting that cookie. Neither one. And they fighting over some woman that Nick Cannon has more access to this woman and will have for the rest of his life because they have children together. We just know M just claimed that he tapped it. it. I don't really care about all that. I I think the whole thing is silly and a waste of time. I've never said M was the best. I can only give it to M because he did get into, I, I'm believing, you, y'all can uh, read that up. I, I believe that he got into the Guinness Book of World Records for Rap God for saying something like 93 or 96 uh Words in 30 seconds, something like that. That's not a big feat. Mm. I know a I know an old lady that can skip a stone across a lake. We put her in the book too. The level, <laughs> the level for greatness in this Chris country has fallen. Yeah. I mean, everybody gets a trophy, nobody loses. And I'm gonna tell you where all this started. I'm pretty sure I, I know Jenna and, and Ross, when y'all were taught to ride your bike. Didn't they say, when you feel like you're going to fall, tuck and roll? They didn't run out and get the helmet and put it on your damn head, did they? No. Nope. My granddad. My aunties didn't. All right. Tuck and roll. Tuck and roll. But no. Now now we got, I got kids on this block not going two miles an hour on some roller skates and got a helmet on. Like they riding in the France, uh, the the uh, the 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 France, uh, the, the Tour Derby. de France. Yeah. And I just don't understand it. But that's where that's where it started with you know level the level of greatness has fallen and expectations have fallen. Eminem is not the best in the world. All right, he's not the best in the world. What what he has done, he he sure has hijacked hip hop and got a lot of white people thinking he has. But we that look like me know the real truth because like Ross says, I come from that same generation. The first, the computer, I'm, I'm the generation of odyssey of odyssey, Atari, Nintendo in television, the big 20 Commodore 64, Apple. So all these kids, I know, I know what a good game of kickball feels like and to be out of breath to get the first and second base and the, and the dodge a ball. I know how it feels. These kids don't know nothing how it feels. These kids are out of shape. 
because all they do is sit on their behind and play on these doggone telephones and tablets all day. But their parents is just as dumb because they buy it for them and let them do it. It's a babysitter. But then they want to cry and say call foul when they're caught, when their kid is out of line and not doing what they're supposed to do just because you've given them so much cord, they're not even thinking about hanging themselves. They don't care. That's all I wanted to say. But on that, on top of that, no, M, M ain't he ain't he's he's nowhere near the, the greatest. I think this is all funny though. But I'm I am curious on what he's gonna say to Nick. And I'm sorry, Nick, but um he, I think he he opened up a, a can of whip ass because we already know how M is gonna lay. He's gonna come dirty, he's gonna talk about his wife and all that. I'm gonna lose real respect if he goes after that man's kids. Some things you just don't do. Well, you know, they In don't the they game. don't they don't care about none of that though. And that's what I was saying. Yeah, they don't that's what I was they saying. Don't care until, they don't care until the, the 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 trigger start pulling. Now we all saw what happened in the mid and late nineties. That got nasty. We lost a lot of people. And in the beginning of 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 the two thousands, with Big Boy and everything shine, and everybody went to jail, taking a cop for for Puffy. This can get nasty if it's not checked. And well, if anybody in well, the hip hop world is, it ain't gonna y'all get, it ain't gonna get that bad, Hayes. I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you though one thing that I did want to see. And uh, and Nick, I was looking at this interview because, uh, like I say, Nick ain't ain't been out of the limelight in like in like the last two decades. He's he's continuously been doing something. Uh, I mean, we could go all the way back to uh, to Drumline. Like I, I, that was a dope movie for those who don't like it. I mean, I understand, but that was a dope movie for me. Uh, but he's been in the limelight since then and not just working for people. He's been making making jobs for folks. He's really been doing entrepreneurial uh, work throughout all of that time. What happened is, is that uh, he had an interview about he had an interview about 10 years ago. And he was talking about how he began to uh, stop wanting to. uh he wanted to stop working up under these uh up under these suspected races. And shortly after that is when he uh shortly after that is when he got fired from the uh from that uh that show he was doing, America's Got, got Talent or what have you. Because remember he was already doing wilding out on his own and all of that stuff as well as the America's Got Talent. But he done an interview and they asked him about Eminem because that was some uh for most well what the uh what the public would say most black men would want to get violent over some of the things that M had said and and uh and his response to that question he was like look at me man he was like I work out every day I got a gym in my house sometimes I work out two to three times a day he said look at me and he kind of flexed in front of the uh camera he say, M don't want no problems with me. Let him keep on doing his rap thing. As long as he stay out of my way, we won't have no issues. And I think that's what's been eating Eminem up all of these years. Because the truth of the matter is, is that it, he he physically cannot stand with Nick Cannon. I know a lot of people hear Nick Cannon, and like you mentioned, Roz, we thinking about the Nickelodeon and even the Drumline and some of those other movies that he's been in. But Nick Cannon is a big dude, 
as far as uh, muscular-wise, and he's not short either, so he's not a small-stature man. He would physically do something bad to Eminem. Hence the reason you have all of these other people coming to his rescue. It would be best for him to just let it. He's going to be 47 years old. Uh, it'd be best just take the high road, let it slide. You know what I'm saying? I know that Nick has been employing people over 10 years or 20 years. I don't know anybody at Eminem putting up. I remember, you know, he buried his best friend because his best friend went to a bar talking all that yang yang and came out feet first. But that's another story. Um, yeah, I think, him, you know, it, it'll be better for him to take the high road. It's not like he ain't got money. It's not like he ain't, and this is not about money. This is all about ego. Yeah, it's now, a power yeah. grab. I, I it's a power grab. That, That's that, right. I, think, I think that 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 uh, the interviewer goaded Nick into into that because he knew what what could have happened, and it has happened. Because look at what's playing in front of us now. But what I'm saying is, I don't want it to spin out of control where hammers start getting followed by uh, a mass shootouts and stuff like that. Because both both groups, okay, let's just say D12 and all of them, everybody got a gun. Everybody got a gun. Everybody, hell, you can print a gun right now. Facts. <laughs> Three you know things. what I'm saying? So it's not about guns. It's who's going to be the bigger person and say, you know what? You got it and walk. Because, you know, everybody in that whole uh, 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 cache of people, got millions, if not hundreds of thousands at their disposal. You know what I'm saying? They have more money than I probably will ever see in my lifetime. Y'all made it. And y'all fighting over a cookie can't none of y'all touch. <laughs> I don't understand it. I don't understand it. I, I agree. The only thing I would disagree with, uh, Hayes, is it actually has nothing to do with Nick because Nick hasn't hasn't initiated in Nick has continuously tried to uh squash this stuff. You know, he gets he gets laughed at on a daily basis on his own show. You know, so ain't none of this stuff uh ain't none of this stuff affecting him. He he's continuously putting out artists that we don't even know is coming up under his label, you know, uh producing movies, documentaries, uh, TV shows. Like, he's constantly doing something. And I I think he's smart enough not to get involved in that. But as a man, how many times can you consistently keep turning the other cheek, for lack of a better term? You know, because he's the one that's continuously being attacked. I understand that, and I'm just saying I'll turn the other cheek if that white boy comes after that man's children lyrically or whatever. I'll turn my – go ahead and do what you do. Because like I said, there's certain things you don't do. You don't target kids. You don't target the elderly with with anything like that lyrically in the streets. that's, That's against code, which we're trying to build back up here. So I understand what you're saying. Yeah, Nick is laughed at. I laugh at Nick all the time. He's a funny man. Yeah, he is. But he's he's a man with a family. All M has is an ex uh, an ex uh, 
girlfriend, wasn't even a wife. He got what a baby, a baby that she's 21 years old now trying to wrap her itself. He ain't got no wife. He's he's living right out here in Oak, Oak uh, Oakland County in a big ass house somewhere. He just sit down. He's gonna be 47 years old. You know, this is this is not his game no more. You had it, you you rode it. It was a good ride. Sit your ass down, because really this is our culture. He's vulturing on. And that's somebody coming from Detroit saying that. I agree. I agree. With that being said, <laughs> yes, Brother Rise, it has come to that time. You want to hit us with the prayer before we get us get on up out of here? Yes, absolutely. Um, I'm hearing like an echo. You yeah, I got me it. Too? I got it. Yeah, I heard it. For okay. A second, but go ahead. Okay. Um, yeah. So yeah, we're gonna definitely get ready to close out. I just wanted to stay with the Orlando, Orlando uh, Jones. Jones situation. Thank you. Briefly before we close out, um, what they saw was the power of cinema and how it can evoke the truth in a way that is so profound. They were afraid that it would cause a revolution, like you were saying. And this is what white people took from us because this is the way our ancestors used the liberal arts, what they call equivium quadrivium. We invented that. And part of that was what was known as passion plays, which is the ability to evoke emotion in the, the people in the audience. And usually, usually it was done in reference to deities and being able to evoke passion for the deity. But um, white people invented art for just personal enjoyment. Well, everything is for war with them. But go Absolutely, ahead. I didn't because, mean yeah, I was saying all indigenous people use art to express very, very deep, multi-layered spiritual principles or to tell a story, or to carry their their history into the future so people knew that they existed. White people were the first ones to just create what they call art just for aesthetic reasons. So for somebody to walk around the museum, look at it, and say, I think that looks really great. No other group of people ever did that. So they commoditize and commodify something that they, again, stole from our ancestors. So um, with that being said, I just wanted to say the power of art to transform consciousness is what Orlando Jones was able to do. And they were afraid that with more and more of that, because he was speaking directly to our experience. I don't know one, anyone who could watch that two-minute scene where he's telling the slaves about their future in America who doesn't get black, who doesn't get a palpable, visceral reaction to what he's saying and how he's saying it. And that can create people. Like you said, somebody go to work the next day, like, look, this white man ain't going to talk to me no, any old way no more. I'm about to break his jaw. Like, it'll bring that out of people because it, it, it's, it's so much truth in it. And then you have this pent-up 400-year intergenerational rage that some of us carry that will be expressed in the passion with which he's speaking about that subject, which is so deep and, 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 and palpable to us as a, as a people. So with that, I, we're going to get ready to close out the show. Thanks to everyone for spending your Christmas Eve with us. We greatly appreciate each and every one of you. Um, please stay safe. Enjoy your families. Do everything that you need to do to stay out of the hand of slave catchers. If you're going to you know, imbibe spirits or any other mind altering substance, please stay wherever you are until you sober up. And that way you don't go into the street in an intoxicated manner and leave room for some, for some one of these race soldiers or just the average white race soldier to terrorize or possibly kill you. Um, please stay safe. Um, we're looking forward to the new year. So we are coming down to the end. This is the new, I celebrate my new year, September 11th, but this is the new year according to the American system of calendar the Gregorian calendar. So um, just stay safe.
do everything you can to stay out of the hands of slave catchers and spend as much quality time with your family as possible. And um, just do the best that you can to stay safe, stay healthy. Um, may you be prosperous in the coming new year as well. And um, just keep keep doing whatever it is you've been doing to maintain and grow yourself and pass on whatever you learn to your children at as, at as young an age as possible in order that they don't make the same mistakes that you've made and that they can have uh, some of the things that you may not have gotten at a young age, which could have maybe trans transformed your life experience by transforming your consciousness. So with that, we're going to get ready to close out. I'll say the prayer and then we'll, uh, we'll close out for the night. Creator, we ask that you help us to remain patient with other black people, victims of white supremacy. We ask that you help us to remain patient with ourselves. Remind us to demonstrate the highest levels of black self-respect at all times, in all places, each and every time that we are in contact with another black person. It has been time. Let's replace white supremacy with justice, ASAP. And let's also end the prison industrial complex and human trafficking as well, ASAP. I am in the love of the all, and all love is in me. I am a part of the all, and the all is a part of me. I am one with the all, and the all is one with me. I can succeed as a part of the all and fail as an individual. I can be all that I wish in the all, as long as my wish is to stay in the all. I am never alone. The all is, I am. The all can, I can. The all does, I do. Once again, thank you for spending your Tuesday evening and Christmas Eve for those who celebrate it with us as well. We greatly appreciate you all. Stay safe and create a will and we'll be back next week, Tuesday, same time, same place. And um, stay safe until next Tuesday. We'll see you again. Peace and love for who and Ubuntu to each and every one of you. Yeah, peace and love. And for those of you who are wondering about this choice of music that I chose today, hey, I was just feeling myself. R.I.P. to the Mac D.R.E. Game so sharp, I might cut myself. You hating on a boy? Hush thyself. I'm on my own jock, cause I love thyself. Get the slap again. About to bring the movement back, we going African. My bro put a Zanny and activist. About to nod off, bro. Wake up, man. What's happening? Baby Davis, where you been, bro? On 80, on 80, and a been, bro. And my Mazi, with Pazi. I bought that from Life of the Party. And I just want to party with somebody body. Get a little naughty and turn out the party. Like, hey, I'm in your BS face with the DS face. This album, not the can I get a I'm still chilling with the sound that we started and stealing it. But that just let us know they still feeling it. Yeah, I'm still feeling it. I'm still feeling myself. I'm still feeling myself. Yeah, I'm still feeling it. I'm still feeling myself. I'm still feeling myself. Yeah, I'm still feeling me. Not none of them. Shanti and my mama. It's one of them. Do I gotta remind them where I'm from again? Said it was dead. Well, hey, we about to go down again. Feeling myself because I can. Cause me and my